Hello, it's Gareth here. A very quick reminder that we are doing another live edition of the Zenial Dome, this time in the London Welsh Centre, that's near King's Cross, on Friday the 14th of July, with a very special guest, BBC Radio 5 Live and Fantasy Football League's Ellis James, and another very special guest who we'll announce soon. Tickets are available via the What's On section of londonwelsh.org or head to our socials, Twitter and Instagram, for the links. Thanks very much. Enjoy the show. Hi and welcome to the Zenial Dome's Little Dome with me, Essel Sears. And me, Gareth Gwynn. Uh, this is the show that we do in the gaps between our interview series where we look back at uh, specific months in specific years. It's basically this month in Zenial history. <laughs> and we're into July. And you have brought a year. I have. So we are, we are going back to July 2009. I know what I was doing in July 2009. Good. I was living in London. This was my first summer living in London. Great. I, I love how the beginning of each one of these episodes is like having an alibi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was... There's a job which is being the in-house writer for the BBC Radio Comedy Department. Oh. And I did it with the uh, comedian John Luke Roberts in the year 2009 to 2010. So was this your comedy career starting to... This was by this. This meant I was a full time comedy Fine. writer. Okay. This was my. I was going to say. I was going to say nine to five job. No, no, no. <laughs> ten, Every... to, ten to six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes eleven to seven. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was a full time comedy writer in two thousand and nine. I always thought if I would ever go on Mastermind, my specialist subject should be the news. <laughs> 2009 because I wrote for a, either the news quiz or the now show uh, or another panel game called I guess that's why they call it the news uh, every <laughs> week for a year and it was the year of the f- um, I don't know if it's on your list the bloody expenses scandal uh no every, <laughs> that's not on my list <laughs> every Thursday there was right. an expenses scandal thing was that the the Duck house. The duck house. Right. And people would say, oh, this must be great. Yeah. There's loads of jokes you can do. And you go, no. <laughs> there was the duck house. Then the other one was the toilet roll holder. There was like, oh, someone had put yeah. that in. And there was like, a Labour politician had got mock Tudor wood beams. Yes. Yeah. The fact that these are so at the front <laughs> of my mind, you know. So this is, this is the year. This is the year where I would have to... I would wake up, look at the news, and go, right, I'm writing 60 jokes about that today. And like, it was that. <laughs> so what were you doing? So the recession was 2008. So I had been, I, by this point, July 2009, I had been made redundant. I had been made redundant the previous year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was back working in-house for a company that I'd worked for previously in the um, press team. It, it's a big uh, outsourcing company. <laughs> uh, that- You're working hard to not name the company here. <laughs> I'm quite intrigued by this now. Everyone will have had dealings with them. Capita. Okay. Yeah. Right, yeah. So TV licensing, council yeah. tax, uh, like uh, parking fines, all that jazz. Forms. Forms. Anything with a form. Forms. So I was back working in-house with them, but I wanted to move back to Wales. So I was okay. in London. Wanted to move back. And they, for some unknown reason, agreed to let me move back to Wales and work like three days a week 
from Wales oh. on a London salary. Um, from, bilingual forms. Bi- bilingual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I can't remember if it was this month, but my, my flatmates and me at the time, we'd... So we were both working for the same company. We were living together. And after we were both made redundant on the same day, <laughs> our house was broken into. No! Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, horrible. I know. I know. And it was during the day. And if we'd both been at home, because we, we weren't working anymore, we could easily have been in the house when the break-in happened. Oh, weird. Because obviously break-ins, they tend to do it when people are at work. Yeah. But so we could have been there, and one of them, whoever broke it, they stole a hammer from my drawer. What? I don't know. <laughs> they took like a really classic Mac um, PC from my room, which I was gutted about, and then took a hammer from my drawer. I would just, I mean, I don't know. I've not been in the breaking and entering scene, but I would say the one <laughs> thing that they'd have before coming You'd in think. was a hammer. You'd think. Unless they went, oh. <laughs> That looks <laughs> It was a new hammer as well. Brand new. Oh, well, there we are. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> On the 16th of July, yeah. 2009, ITV announced that its news and information teletext service would be discontinued oh. within the next six months as a result of mounting losses and the inability to find a viable business model to continue. For teletext. For teletext. I... This is not going to surprise you. I loved teletext. Absolutely <laughs> loved teletext. I'm sure I read a thing that Tony Blair was a big fan of teletext. Yeah, didn't he get his news from there? Yeah, because he went when he went into number ten in 1997. That's how people yeah read the news. Yeah, and then by the time he left, everyone else was on the internet, but Tony Blair was still. <laughs> Loved teletext. Because when you used to read articles... Well, articles. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I really... Uh, I put too much weight on teletext there by calling them articles. Um, <laughs> the Whenever you were reading the news or something like that on teletext, you had to wait for the for the pages yeah. to change. You couldn't change the pages yourself. There was a little trick. If you flick the oh. channel up and down, then it researched and oh. would speed up bringing it around. Oh. Little tip for you there. It's really sad that I'm getting that tip now. <laughs> so you say that you say about the articles. There's a thing I've read on about it. They were very hard to write because you had to sum up the whole story in a fixed character limit. Uh, yeah. You had to fill that page or go right. We're filling a second yeah. page. So it wasn't like you could do a page and a half or anything like that. You no. had to go. We're hitting it bang on this. Yeah. Or we're moving on to another... Yeah. Well, yeah, and you'd have to be confident that you could fill a second page. Yeah, Because exactly. you, you can't just do two lines. And most news stories, they had to happen just in the fixed. Yes. That's the news. <laughs> you know, to- Tony Blair wasn't into two pages of information. <laughs> Tony Blair's like, Kosovo, got it. Yeah. <laughs> I presume that while teletext went... The BBC's when CFAX carried on, didn't it? Yeah, oh, that's a good question. Because I think CFAX carried on well into the 2010s. It ended, CFAX ended in October 2012. I remember it vividly. Wow. Do you know what? I'm just only now realising. That that CFAX and Teletext are completely separate things. Yes, they are. And I was actually, 
As we were having this discussion, I realised we were merging the two. I was thinking, if I don't make this clear at some point, we're going to get letters. Oh, and the thing is, th- this isn't me being an idiot. I think it's just because I was a child when I was first aware of it. And, yeah. and you would just happen to be on a channel. So I just, I think I always thought that it was the same system across oh, all, all channels. No, because no, um, the BBC, you had news at 100 Right. So the hundreds were all news. Yeah. And then I remember, I think the six hundreds were TV listings. Yes, I remember that. The sport, I want to say sport was 300. Right. I don't know if I've got that right. Uh, but the, And then there was one that had shares and there was yeah. all that sort of stuff. Teletext was this like brightly coloured thing with all sorts of weird things on it. So you could play a game called Bamboozled, yes. which was a little quiz. Yeah, I remember with that a, as well. With a man who asked you general knowledge questions. You used to love that. <laughs> there was like there was the sort of early version of forums yeah. where people would write about whether or not they liked Morrissey and then it would appear in a little box. <laughs> and so, so was the ITV and the Channel 4 one the same? Do you know, I think they were different because I've got a feeling Bamboozled was on Channel 4. And also in Wales, you had Spectel. Oh, this has been this has been enlightening. And there was also, <laughs> and I and I'd forgotten this until I saw the chap who wrote them died recently. There was like a problem page, teenagers oh. writing questions to yeah. a guy called Nick, oh, and God. his his name's in my head because he died very recently. Right. From what I remember. Nothing was off the table for Nick. Oh wow! <laughs> Nick was answering a lot of questions on teletext. And was he qualified? I mean, everyone seemed pretty happy. I don't know. There wasn't a comments bit underneath for right. people to, to go like, oh, steady on, Nick. <laughs> horoscopes? Yeah, there horoscopes. horoscopes. There, yeah. Were, there was a big computer game section called Digitizer. Yes. And I think they they actually survived, I think, into the internet uh, age. Yeah. The Digitizer people. Yeah. Bigger fan of CFAX and Teletext. I thing is, even without you saying that, I already knew that. Because yeah. you're such a BBC, <laughs> yeah, BBC because nerd. I, I much prefer the slightly draconian C, uh, CFAX thing of like, we're just giving you information. If you want to have bawdy chat with Nick, get over to Teletext. Get over to Channel 4 where they do that sort of thing. Their little red triangle. Oh. Oh, yeah. And someone's asking whether or not they should worry about what's in their pants. <laughs> it was things like teen chat. And it was just five five pages of people going like, does everyone else hate geography? Actually, do you know what? My, my memory of that, like those teen pages yeah. was, that's, God, I've not thought about this in years. It would be something like... Oh, I really hate geography. It's really hard. Does anyone else have this problem? And then the next one would be something like, I think Blur are better than Oasis. And then the next would be something like, I don't think anyone in the rest of the country understands Northern Ireland. (laughs) (laughs) And there would be... (laughs) There would be like five pages. I I, I used to read this. There would be like these five pages every day of like what's bothering teenagers. But there was always this like rumble of what's going on in Northern Ireland in amongst real froth. Wow. And people should have listened to them, I feel. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's really odd to think now that they... Because now that would be... Well, I say that. That's what, that is actually one of the things I don't like about Twitter. Yeah. It's the fact that you open Twitter and you go, oh, this is like a nice 
picture of something, an interesting article about some old sitcom, and the most appalling opinion I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> All on the same screen. Yeah. I think... So in many ways, I think Twitter is the new... And as well, there's a word limit you've got to hit. Yes. So I think Twitter is uh, the the current version of... Sure. It's the teletext we can all write for. <laughs> I feel vindicated here as well because I've I've searched for some facts about teletext, which I have found in Stroud News and Journal, but most of the facts are about CFAX. So so the yeah. heading is about teletext, but actually the content is about CFAX. Yeah. So I'm, I think... I don't think I'll be alone in thinking that it was just a... A massive big umbrella. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure most people got them muddled. You knew when you'd gone into the wrong part of town. Oh God! You knew where you're like. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's a bloke here answering. (laughs) There's a bloke here asking questions about bo. I'm definitely on channel four. (laughs) The Statue of Liberty's crown reopens to the public after eight years due to security reasons following the World Trade Center attacks. God, right. So that's a long time. My frame of reference for hiding in the crown of the Statue of Liberty is Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> so when you said, it ha- you haven't been able to go there since, I was like, since that big marshmallow guy? <laughs> I'd love it if those guys were involved in the reopening. Like they were part they should, of the ceremony. They definitely should have been. Yeah, they definitely should have been. But it's one of those things where, because this is one of the stories from, from this month and this year that isn't, it's not a big new story in itself. Yeah. But it's like a hangover from a massive big story, a big zenial story. Yes. Of the World Trade Centers. And yeah, just the fact that they would have been that cautious eight years. Yeah, well, I imagine. Or do you think they forgot? No, <laughs> maybe they forgot that they shut it. It's like, oh shit! Oh, we used, we used to be, be able to go there. <laughs> it's only meant to be shut for like three months. Yeah, like oh damn! It's like when in offices they're like, who's whose office is that? And then they open it. And it's just... <laughs> it, it's such a big symbol, though, isn't it? It's it's in it's in so it's in. If there's a film based in New York, the Statue of Liberty is in there. Too. Yeah, they have the CGI in because the film was probably filmed in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically For what happens purposes. there. For tax purposes, they film in Toronto and they CGI in. In fact, if they just built the Statue of Liberty in Toronto, they would save a lot of CGI people a lot of bother. <laughs> July 24th, um, the International Federation of Swimming, FINA Congress, voted to ban all body-length swimsuits. Did they now? So men's suits to maximally cover from the waist to the knee and women from shoulder to knee. Fabric must be a textile or woven material. And it was something to do with the fact that some swimmers who had been wearing the full length um, costume had been breaking some records. This now rings about. This is this is ringing. I've I, I've written twenty jokes about this. <laughs> <laughs> that this now rings a bell. People were breaking world records, and then they went. This is too fast. It must be the clothes. <laughs> Which is so weird because I would rather. I would rather see because like, I find swimming competitions quite boring. There are t- because during the Olympics there are too many of them. Basically, I think there are too many swimming competitions. 
it's it's too much I would rather have some of them where you have to be a bit inventive as to how you make yourself most real. So when they say freestyle, you mean like... <laughs> I'm, I'm bringing a motor. <laughs> yes. You know, the um, like the go-karting, uh, the Red Bull kind of oh, go-karting competition. Yeah. Like that. Where it I feels like, like it, there's just a bunch of students <laughs> who are like, we've, <laughs> we've strapped an outboard motor to this. Let's see if it goes. I can't get my head around the physics of what you can do to a swimming costume that makes makes you faster. Put um, gills on it. <laughs> <laughs> Stress up as a fish. That's, so the, I, I am very intrigued yeah. as to what makes us... What, it just makes you more uh, aerodynamic in the water, isn't it? It just means that you're... Yes, but, it, but I guess it's the fact that it's full length as well. Because if you're... Okay, if you're a swimmer, if you're an international um, professional swimmer, you're waxing, right? So there's oh, yeah. skin-wise, you're pretty smooth. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what kind of costume you could wear to make yourself even smoother. So basically, yeah, basically, like your skin—you've taken off everything you can't possibly take yeah, off. Yeah, and you're putting something else back on there. And now we're putting something on that, that is smoother yes. than skin. Basically, I tell you what this comes down to is that. Fundamentally, I think this international swimming body, if they could, they'd get you to swim naked. <laughs> Actually, if you think about what they're saying Is that here, what they're alluding to? Well, they're kind of going like, we need you to wear as little as possible. We've seen you all trying to wear more clothes to this. In an ideal world, they'd want nude swimming. And they'd want Channel 4 broadcasting it. <laughs> Not the BBC. You can't have Claire Balding introducing a bunch of nudie swimmers. Oh, God, no. Who would you get? Who would be great for that? I mean, the sadly, the sadly departed Keith Chegwim, who, who presented that nude game show he on Channel 5, great. didn't he? I can imagine. Yeah. I think Keith Chegwim's nude swimming. Yes. But there's many reasons why that wouldn't be on television these days. <laughs> the last of which is that Keith Chegwim has died. Nude swimming! <laughs> Okay, so there's there's an article about it in the New York Times, and this, this first paragraph of this article is mad. <laughs> so it's a report from Rome. So just to set some context okay. here, um, there's an Italian flavour to it, which I think <laughs> <laughs> I think you could already glean. You know, they want new swimming. Um, in an effort to clean up its sport, the international government body of swimming. Will require its athletes to show more skin. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, even the phrasing of that is quite uh, on the nose. Yeah. By an overwhelming vote on Friday at its General Congress, FINA officials decided to ban the high-tech swimsuits that have been likened to doping on a hanger. <laughs> Good grief. But yeah, so they, they they go on to talk about different records and stuff. Um, and then there's a. <laughs> Phelps, they interview uh, Michael Phelps about this, um, and he applauds FINA's proposal that racing suits be made of permeable materials and that there be limits to how much of a swimmer's body could be covered. Uh, <laughs> the motion must be approved with the FINA B, blah, blah, blah. The quote from Phelps is just, I like it. I think it's going to be good. Full stop. <laughs> He's not a man of many words. <laughs> He's not. He's got training to go They do. probably had to work really hard on it. Can we get a quote from Michael Phelps? Get a quote from Michael Phelps. He's the best swimmer in the world. There's no one to touch him. He's the best swimmer. Get a quote from Michael Phelps. And that's it. That's what they got. Someone spent a day getting that. I could have said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's... As setting world records became almost commonplace, 
that some controversy spreads beyond issues of performance into the territory of morality. Oh, did it? <laughs> Which is weird because surely covering your body is an issue of morality in itself. Like, actually, if I want to cover my knees, well, I, yeah, let me. Yeah, I do feel like <laughs> if, if you want to... Uh, yes, I think if you want to swim in top to toe mm. covered then that should be fine if you want to swim one of those things which you could be cgi'd out afterwards yeah. absolutely fine yeah yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> of course but it's weird because there's like a there's a there's a swimmer here that says i would never in a million years take a drug to help me so why would i wear a suit just to improve my performance I this is an I but did... why wouldn't you because you have to wear something in the pool the truth of the matter is let's get down to brass tacks here <laughs> i know nothing about international swimming I'm not the one who should make the decisions. I should not be. I should not be. This is one of those things where you read a paragraph or something and you feel like you're an expert, which, incidentally, is the Olympics full stop. Because the fun of the Olympics is you watch 10 minutes of something and you start critiquing divers who've spent 12 years doing nothing but falling off a board. And you start going, like, I could do that. Oh, he's messed up. I have now done this to this. Yeah. You've told me two paragraphs about swimming and I've got an opinion of like, well, I don't see why they can't, shouldn't wear what they like. <laughs> but that's where we've, we've gotten to. Like, yeah. We've, that's where we've reached now because I'm, I'm just thinking here, why, why are you wasting all your time and energy on this? Like, though these suits are available. Imagine, imagine if they'd let people carry on wearing the suits where they, we'd be with it now. Oh, they'd, they'd look like Inspector Gadget getting into the water. <laughs> yeah, like with a retractable fin. Yeah, they'd have everything. <laughs> well, what a peculiar bunch of things. Yeah, it was. Um, but I don't hate it. No. And if anyone wants to get in touch with what they were up to in um, July 2009, you can on the at hotmail.com. Um, and uh, or send us a tweet at the Zenial Dome. That's it, isn't it? It is. Yeah, and Instagram just Zenial Dome. <laughs> um, anything else? No. Brilliant. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs> we will see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hello. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I am going to bombard you with information again at the end, like the CITV show Bad Influence. That's a Zenial reference right there. Anyway, London Welsh Centre, 14th of July, a live edition of the show with the brilliant Alice James and another guest we'll announce soon. You can get your tickets at londonwelsh.org, head to the What's On bit and follow the links. Hopefully we'll see you there. <laughs>